Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for the opportunity our children have this morning to uh, take some time to learn something new about you, uh, a reminder of how they should live when they believe in you. And we pray for each one that their hearts and minds will be ready. Father, we pray too for leaders and helpers that you will just give them a great love for these young lives that will encourage them to trust in Jesus and to follow him day by day. We pray that they'll have a great time together this morning. As we do for ourselves, Father, as we spend time in your word, we pray that uh, you'll take this passage that we'll look at today, uh, make it real, make it a challenge, make us obedient. Lord, we thank you. And Father, while we're praying, we pray for those that are struggling uh, this week, today. Think of Merv Johnson, who's in hospital at the moment, ask that you'll give wisdom to the staff there as they care for him in his, uh, in his illness. Lord, may he be restored to that place where he can come home and enjoy life every day. Father, we lift him up before you. There are others, Father, that you know, and we lift them before you and ask that you'll be working in their lives. Lord, uh, children who have wandered away from the faith, uh, 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 family and friends that don't yet know Jesus, we bring them before you today and ask that you'll touch their lives, draw them to yourself, uh, call them by name so that they may come into that uh, intimate, close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We say thank you that we can be here to worship you and honour you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you have an echo there? Is it coming through the foldbacks or something? I don't know. I'll leave it to you. Folks, um, I'm 65 now and I forget things. So if anybody sees a similar uh, folder to this with my sermon notes from last week in it, I don't know where I put it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd love to have it back. No, lucky it wasn't this week, so that's all right. Okay, so we're just looking, continuing on in this, in this first part of the year, considering our mission statement as a church, following Jesus, caring for each other and impacting the world. And I'm just going to put this down because I don't like looking through microphones to people. And we're focusing on the following Jesus part. So I'm um, basing these messages on a book by Kyle Eidelman, Not a Fan. Anybody read that book before? No? Anybody been to his website? Interesting, interesting messages and are quite challenging for today's church. So I'd encourage you to, to do that if you can. They're not exact copies of what he's written, but there's some thoughts in there that, and some illustrations that I've chosen to use in these messages. So today I want to talk about this fellow. Some people may know him. Back in 2004... Um, Matt Emmons was a, what they call a position rifle shooter for the USA Olympic team. And my understanding of the position is there's three positions. There's lying flat on your stomach, aiming at the target. There's on one knee, aiming at the target. And there's standing up, aiming at the target. That's the positional um, uh, rifle shooter, competition rifle shooter. He was very good. He was so good that he was one shot away from winning the gold medal. And so his coach came out and said, mate, all you've got to do is hit the target. Don't, don't worry about getting it in the middle like you normally do. Just hit the target. And I think it must have put him off. Because he hit the target, dead centre. But it was the next person's target. <laughs> and he was eighth instead of first. So he didn't win the gold medal. The reason why I tell that story is that he had lost his focus. He had lost his focus as an Olympian he had lost his focus as practically the world's best and he hit the wrong target. 
We're going to look at Matthew chapter 23. And I'm not sure if you're sure of Matthew 23. don't have to read the whole chapter, but if you've got it open in your Bible there, we will be skipping through some parts of it. And in this, past, in this chapter, this is one of the times, if we could only read emotion into the passage, this is one of the times where I think Jesus would have been angry. He was directing his comments to the religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were, part, they were the people that made up the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling Jewish um, religious body. And we're going to discover that he was not happy with how they were doing it. And so my aim today is that we, because he was not happy with them because they lost the focus of what they were on about. As religious leaders, as priests to the people, they'd lost the focus. And uh, the challenge for us today is that we don't miss the mark. We don't hit the neighbour's target. We hit the target that God wants us to by keeping our focus on what Jesus has told us to do. He, I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels, I, I don't think much of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Do you? You know, they're the ones that put Jesus on the cross by all means. And so I don't have a lot of time for them. And Jesus struggled with them too. You know, the, the, we have to give them credit though. They thought they were doing what God wanted them to do. The, the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees, they thought that they were following the Lord, what he wanted them to do. And they did it thoroughly. They did it with all their might. They worked hard at what they, were asked, they thought God wanted them to do. But they were following the wrong thing. They'd lost their focus. They were missing the mark. And this is what our message is about today. Missing the mark. And I forgot to put the title page up, didn't I? Missing the mark. Matthew chapter 23, we're going to look at. So over the weeks, I've been asking the question over, over the early parts of this series, are you a fan of follow, or a follower of Jesus? Are you somebody that just admires him and thinks he's a great guy, a good teacher? Certainly, you might even think that he's a son of God, saviour of the world but you haven't surrendered your life to him. That's what a follower does. A follower surrenders their lives to Jesus. See, even, even the Pharisees had a belief, not in Jesus, but they had a belief in God that they were doing what God wanted them to do and they were going for it hard, but they were going for the wrong target. They were going in the wrong direction. So Matthew chapter 23, verses, the first few verses read this. Verse 1 of chapter 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, is what he told them. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Whoops. Do we practice what we preach? Do we do what we say is the right thing? Jesus was hammering the... Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were supposed to be doing what God wanted them to do but they weren't practising what they preach. As you might guess, um, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees as fans, not necessarily followers. He He wasn't trying to get everybody together, link arms and sing, we are the world. He was telling them straight. And he might be telling us straight today, are we fans that seem to be doing all the right things and even going hard for it, but are we missing the mark? Are we not, do, do we not have the right focus? 
Jesus wants to turn fans into followers. He wants to help us know the truth, live by the truth and make that truth the target that we aim for. In doing that, we're going to look at classes of fans. There are different classes of fans. You know what a class system is, don't you? The lower class, the middle class, the upper class. Well, when, when, when we're thinking about fans, uh, those people that recognise Jesus, there's different class of fans. In fact, in verse 2, he actually gives honour to the Pharisees when he says, they, the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Other translations say they sit on Moses' chair. It wasn't a a physical chair, it was his role and responsibility as leader and guide under God to the people. The teachers, the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. It's sort of like these days we might have uh, the chair of the university or uh, the vice-chancellor of the university or the president of the university. Same sort of word here. They were in a position of authority and responsibility to make sure that what was taught was correct. Okay, and so he, he honoured them, first of all, but then he says in verse 2 and 3, verse 3 and 4, he says, don't do what they do. Listen to what they say, but don't do what they do because they're not doing the right thing. And in the next few verses, these are some of the most challenging verses for me in the Bible because Jesus was trying to express his disappointment coupled with, I think, his, his emotion of anger and his emotion of challenge and, and I think about um, Matthew writing this, trying to get the message across of what Jesus was saying. And he uses the, this term, woe. And it's not, woe, isn't that great? It's, woe, isn't that awful? To try and make his listeners and disciples in, in this situation and us today realise what, what these Pharisees were doing wrong. Why? So that we won't do the same thing. So that we will be followers not these supposed fans that Jesus was, was addressing. The difference between a fan and a follower is that the, the, the fan does everything in his or her power to be recognised and honoured. A follower surrenders to God. The fan is deceiving themselves. The follower is humbling themselves. So verse 3 and 4 in Matthew 23 says this, Jesus speaking, So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. I pray that that never will be said of any of us. I pray that we will always say, or we'll do what we say. And be prepared to forgive one another when we don't. Because I know we're going to mess it up. But Jesus was challenging them. He says in verse 4, They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So all the rules and regulations, you do it, I'll watch you do it. In other words. Uh, Verse 5, Jesus says, Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries, which is the little things they used to wear, wide, big, and the tassels on their garments long, longer than everybody else's. They loved the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. So they were show ponies. They liked to be the centre of attention. That was their thing. Verse 7, they loved to be greeted in the marketplaces and have men call them rabbi. Jesus was 
identifying the religious leaders of the day. Listen to what they say, but they don't do what they say. So the class of of fans was people who believe or who honour Jesus, but don't do what they say. Seven times he uses this word woe, W-O-E, not W-H-O-A. Woe on this group of the so-called spiritual elite of the day. We don't use it, that word today much, but, but it's an expression of both grief and, and, as it were, a curse. So it's like sadness and a challenge. Grief and a curse. And Jesus follows each woe in this passage with a scathing rebuke to these supposed teachers, religious leaders. He's speaking to primarily the ruling party, like I said before, the Sanhedrin. And they were a group of 72 men in those days. These men came from two groups of people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's sort of like our government being made up of two parties. And so for the Jews, it was the Sadducees and Pharisees, held to mainly, mainly similar beliefs, but they had a couple of minor beliefs which uh, disagreed with each other, so they had these two groups. Interestingly, the Sadducees, they served as the um, chief priests and elders of the day. And I think I've got a note. Yeah, the Sadducees were very liberal, uh, but the Pharisees were ultra-conservative. So the Sadducees sort of, sort of said, anything works as long as it works for you. And the ultra-conservative Pharisees, you have to obey the rules. The law is the law, even if they didn't do it themselves. The Sadducees never missed a service. Sorry, the Sadducees, they were, the, they, they were born into it. They, were, they had this pre- prestigious office ruling. They got there because of their family line. The Pharisees, on the other hand, didn't have that family line and they got to the ruling party because of their hard work. The first thing they had to do was memorise the first five books of the Bible. Anybody done that lately? But that was their criteria for being a a, a Pharisee. They worked long and hard at the Scriptures. When thinking about fans of Jesus, I think today we have... Sadducees and Pharisees in the church, sadly. I don't think anybody, any one of us would like to wear that title. But there are those of us that live that way. And that's sad. So Jesus, in effect, is, is speaking to us. I'll give you an example. A Sadducee might be somebody who, in their mind, says, well, I went to church nine months before I was born. Uh, never missed a service. I was in all the children's activities. And one day... When I was 15 years old, I told the pastor, I need to join the church, so you need to baptise me. I had all the right answers to the questions about being baptised. It was easy, it was simple, it was normal. That would be the attitude of a Sadducee. Pharisees might have this attitude. They would do it. Pharisees are doers. And their mission in life would be try a little harder, try a little extra and do a little more. There's some people like that in our churches. That's not to say that work's wrong, but the attitude is if I do the right thing, then I'll be acceptable to God. It could be how many verses they've memorised, how many ministries they're involved in. Sadly, I think there are Pharisees 
and Sadducees in our church because they've missed the mark. The mark is knowing Jesus. The mark is walking with Jesus day by day. The mark is doing the things that Jesus tells us to do, not that we think we should do to be acceptable to him. You know what Jesus calls these groups? He calls them hypocrites. Pharisees and Sadducees. And we think we know what that word means, most of us, but I'm sure we don't have a full understanding of it. Most of us would say that being a hypocrite is saying one thing and doing something else. Would you agree? Saying one thing and doing something else. And it's probably correct, but the Greek behind it is important. The Greek behind the word hypocrites is hypocrites, that's the Greek. It's about wearing a mask. It's about being an actor in a play. And if you didn't have enough people, enough actors to make up the play, the actor at one stage would wear a certain sort of mask and another stage they'd wear a different mask and probably a different costume as well to keep the flow of the story going. These are some of the masks they used to wear out of clay. So it's that putting the mask on so that no one really knows who you are but they know the the character that you're playing. Jesus would in fact say these words. He says, fans, hypocrites, play actors, you are simply wearing a mask trying to make people think you are something which you are not. Jesus exposes the fans. I hope we're not like that. My prayer is that we will be followers of Jesus, do what he tells us to do. But in in reality, there's a real confusion amongst people who are fans. Everybody knows what confusion is, don't we? When, When you think that down is up and up is down and wrong is right and right is wrong, Sort of like today's society, isn't it, really? You know, um, what used to be right is now wrong. What used to be wrong is now right. Yeah, it's sad. One pastor tells this story. He was a pilot, a, uh, a private pilot, not a commercial pilot, and every year he had to do his competency flight test. So he was up in the plane. The examiner said to him, I want you to close your eyes. The pilot was, the pilot was flying the plane. He said, I want you to close your eyes And when he did, the uh, instructor or the examiner placed the plane in a weird position and a strange altitude. And then he told me to open my eyes and to correct the plane. The problem is, if you've ever flown a plane, is that you often lose your sense of gravity and uh, sometimes your equilibrium when you're flying a plane and it can lead to a state of confusion until you fix your eyes on the instruments and stop looking outside the window. Any pilots in our midst? Is that true? I think that's true. I've done it once or twice, not closed my eyes while I've been flying a plane. But this is what Jesus is trying to convey to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and to us in those verses 25 to 29. I'm going to read them this morning. He says, remember, he's coming at it from a, a grieving anger, challenging perspective to these men who were the leaders, the teachers of the law, who should have known better and yet they weren't practising what they preach. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. That's not a very nice thing to say, is it? 
but he was being very direct and he kept on saying, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Have you ever read this passage and wondered, why did Jesus say this? He was speaking directly to those people who were not practising what they preach, disobeying what they're supposed to do. In the same way, he says, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Verse 29, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You think he's got their attention by now? He said the same thing three times to get their attention. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. He challenges them to live out what they're teaching and they weren't. They weren't. You cannot clean the outside and leave the inside dirty is what he was saying to them. The fan... The person who is a fan is confused in their thinking. They, they try to make everybody think that he is good or that they are good. And then there's the truth. They really know that they're not. You know, the problem is, the Bible tells us, the problem is that man looks on the outside, but where does God look? He looks on the heart. He sees our heart, what our attitude towards him is really like, no matter how much we dress up the outside. There's a story, and, and, and fans, they're interested in the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. Because they preached it, but they didn't practice it, so it didn't have any real impact in their lives. Fans really miss the mark of following Jesus. They have the idea that I'll follow all the words and the rules that Jesus says, all the laws and the rules. Jesus is saying, just follow me. There's nothing wrong with the the laws and the rules, but he's saying, follow me first. A story is told of a a fellow who went into a bank, and this is in the United States. He was dressed in a jeans and T-shirt, which probably wasn't the attire you would wear if you wanted to speak to the manager of the bank, if you had an appointment. And he had some business to do with the bank manager, And so he rolled up to the desk and the receptionist said, sorry, the bank manager got called away. But he will be in tomorrow. You can come back tomorrow. So what happens over there, especially in the big cities, if you've got to pay for parking and you're going to the bank, the bank validates the ticket and they pay your parking ticket for you. So he hands over the ticket. He said, "Um, thanks, can you validate my parking ticket? She said, no. He said, you haven't transacted any business here today. You'll have to come back again tomorrow. And so to validate the parking ticket when no business was transacted was against the policy of the bank. So what does that say? The letter of the law. So if he would transact some business, she could validate his parking. He thought about it and decided to close his account. It turns out that that man's name, whoop, I'm catching up. Missed it. No, missed it. Didn't put it up there. Turns out that that man's name was John Akers and he was the chief executive officer of IBM computers in the United States. So he 
withdrew his $1.5 million out of his account and went to another bank. By the letter of the law, she was right. But I wonder what the comment or the discussion was at the next board meeting about her actions. I wonder if she could have just validated the parking ticket and he would have left his money in the bank there. Fans make the rules more important than people. And that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing. They were making the rules more important than the people that they were supposed to be caring for. Jesus didn't die to give us rules. He died to give us a relationship with him and through him to God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, that we might know, follow and love him. Not just obey the rules, but know him. Sadly, the fan has missed the mark. They're confused about their goal. They're confused about the finish line. The follower knows that the goal is Jesus. We will finish well with him. We must keep Jesus in our sight. So fans need to be confronted. Fans need to be told to be cautious and, and told to be careful. And in verses 13 to 33, we're not going to read them all at the moment, Sometimes we don't understand how Jesus can be so harsh and unkind. But he's trying to get a point across. He was trying to get the point across in this confrontation that they weren't living out what they believed. Sometimes it's just like parents and kids, really. As kids, we think we know what we want but we don't really know what we need, do we? Sometimes, and some of us are dealing with young people all the time, we come across young people that have never been told no in their lives. They've always had what they wanted or wished for. And sadly, in our society, we're seeing a lot of young people who are selfish and self-centred. And because of that, their lives are in a mess. They've missed, their parents, as it were, missed the mark with those young people. Jesus confronts the Pharisees and certainly, as we've read these scriptures today, I believe he's confronting us. They needed to be confronted about their sin. They needed to be confronted about missing the mark. We do too. We need to be careful and cautious. We need to be reminded that Jesus is the goal. He's the mark. He stood before that crowd before his disciples and pronounced these woes upon a group of people who thought that they were doing the right thing, mind you. He stands before any one of us and says, are you looking at the right target? Are you looking at the right mark? He says, woe to you, hypocrite. Woe to you, play actor, if you're simply a fan following the wrong thing aiming at the wrong goal and causing many people not to find me. When he looks into your life, when he looks into my life, what does he see? Does he say, you're on the wrong track, you've got the wrong goal? Or is he excited about the way that you're following him? There is a cure. He hasn't left them up. He hasn't left them hanging. There is a cure for these fans. I believe fandom or or fan people, fan boys or fan girls for Jesus is a disease. 
a disease which Jesus calls sin. I'm doing it for myself rather than doing it for Jesus. Jesus didn't die to create a fan base. He died so that we might be his followers. He came to free people from sin and restore people into a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. He came to develop disciples and that's what we're on about this year. We can see right into the heart of Jesus in one of the last verses in this passage, verse 37. Jesus is looking out over the people and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Can you hear his heart? His heart is, even though he's angry at these religious leaders, his heart is still for them. He wants to see them and, and anybody they've affected with their teaching come to faith in him. Like, a, like a, a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. There is a cure for fandom. Hear what Jesus is saying in your life. He might be saying these things to you. Is he saying, to some he's saying, quit depending on your heritage. My family have been generationally involved in churches for years. It's Jesus that you need to focus on. Quit depending on your works. I'm at every working beat. I volunteer all the, all the rosters. There's nothing wrong with those, by the way. We need more volunteers. But it's more than that. It's, it's you're doing it because Jesus has so impacted your life. Stop simply observing the rules and the resolutions. Jesus says, come to me, you who are heavy burdened with sin, with trying to impress people, with attempting to work your own way to heaven and I will give you rest. Don't focus on the external about what people think but focus on what Jesus knows. The first step is to hear him calling. His call today, if you're a fan, is follow me. His call today, if you're a fan, is surrender your life to me. A story is told of a a man in a church who walked up to the pastor and said, please pray for our daughter. She has turned her back on the faith. We raised her in the church, but obviously not in Jesus. She'd been to church with them, but she hadn't really come to faith in Christ. Jesus changes people from fans to followers. If you're willing to make him the priority, the mark, the target in your life, he will change you daily into his likeness, the promise is. If that's what you want, or if you haven't been there yet, please chat with me after the service. love to encourage you to shift from recognising Jesus as a great teacher, a godly man, a prophet even, to being the saviour of the world, to being your saviour and your Lord for life. I'd love to talk with you about that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for even the difficult passages in the Bible. We thank you for the harsh words that Jesus said to those religious leaders that remind us that it would be so easy to slip into that, into that lifestyle, following the rules, rather than listening to your spirit and rather than having you, Lord Jesus, as the focus in our lives. I pray that even today we will surrender to you once again and make you Lord of our lives. I pray this so that God will be honoured in all that we do. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for the team.